The Sunday school picnic or the church picnic or the, the, the homecoming picnic has been a tradition in the church for many, many years. A lot of churches don't do this anymore. And I'm excited about it today. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the value of that. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. I just want to share this passage with you. It says this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So here's my question. Can you go to a church picnic and give glory to God? Can you eat or drink at a church picnic and give glory to God? Can you eat pie and give glory to God? Can you do that? Listen, I believe you can. Now, to be fair, and I, I need to kind of issue this explanation so the biblical scholars in the group don't come after me, Paul is not talking about necessarily Sunday school or church picnics, is he? No. He's literally in the middle of a conversation that is about food, however, but it's about food that was being offered to idols. Paul is basically answering questions that were being asked by the church in Corinth about whether it was appropriate for a Christian, for a believer, a follower of Jesus, to eat food that had been sacrificed or dedicated to idols. Because in the marketplace of their time, food that had been offered to the idols was sold in the marketplace at a premium or maybe sometimes, you know, at an, you know it was more economical because maybe it wasn't as popular a god as some of the other gods or something. I have no idea. But anyway, there seemed to be an overabundance of this food that had been offered to idols and the Christian people were wondering, is it okay for us to eat this? And Paul is essentially in that conversation says to them, listen, it, it really comes down to your conscience. If you feel like you shouldn't, then don't. And Paul basically tells them, God gave you a conscience for a reason, and you should listen to your conscience. Don't let somebody talk you into something that you think is wrong just because they don't think it's wrong. But at the same time, if you don't have an issue with it, go ahead and eat it. But if you're sitting in a room with a bunch of people who think it's wrong, then maybe just don't eat it then, right? And so Paul essentially is saying to them, eat or drink whatever you want, but do it in a way that is helpful, that is not a stumbling block to those who are in the body of Christ around you. And by doing that, you will give glory and honor to God by eating or drinking. In a more general sense, though, I think that his statement is true, and I think he would be okay with the way we're using it today, because I believe that you can eat and drink and have fellowship in a way that brings glory and honor to God. Um, and, and I want to share with you a couple of reasons that we can do, or a couple of ways we can do that. How do you glorify God at a church picnic, okay? It's, you know, a little bit lighter today, a little more fun, I hope. I always start out saying that, and then we go deep. But anyway, here we go. Um, how do we glorify God at a church picnic? Number one, right here, show up. Show up. I can look out in this crowd right now, and I can almost pick out those people who are going to get up from this service and quietly slip out the door so that you don't have to stay for the picnic. I know who you are. I see you do it. We all see you do it. We get in there, and we're like, where'd so-and-so go? And they just vanish. Now, in fairness, most of them are introverts, okay? Okay. They just don't want to be around a crowd of people. But listen to me. Show up. Be present. There is a blessing to the body of Christ when everybody who considers themselves a part of the body shows up for any kind of event or activity. You know what? When you're not in church for worship, we miss you. 
You may not think so. You might look around and say, oh, Pastor, there's a hundred other people here. You couldn't possibly miss me. Let me tell you something. I believe the analogy that the Scripture uses of the family of God is one of the best analogies in, Christ, in, in Christianity. And when there is a seat at the table that is not taken, we miss you. I know this is true because I've been in this pastoral ministry thing for like 28 years now. And in every church that I've served, I've watched people go missing. In my first church, Defiance, Ohio, we had uh, a young man that had, I say young man, he was 20 years older than me. <laughs> Sorry, I th think of him as a young man because he was so childlike in the way. He had Down syndrome. His name was Danny. And his mom's name was Reba. And she was in her late 80s, couldn't hardly get around. She couldn't get out to come to church. But one of our parishioners would pick Danny up every single week. No, it wasn't Danny. Was it Danny? I'm thinking... What? Okay, here's my issue. I'm going to explain what's happening right now. There was a guy from my home church who had Down syndrome, and his name was Danny. Danny and Reba. Denny. It was Denny, not Danny. Danny was the guy from my home church. Denny was the guy from Cornerstone. All right, sorry. I had... My brain stops sometimes. It doesn't work. Anyway... So Denny would come to church, and he would sit in the third or fourth pew right over here, always in the third or fourth pew. If it was third, if nobody sat in his pew, it was fourth if somebody sat in his pew. In, in a church of 60 people, very seldom did anybody sit ever that close to the front. It just didn't happen, right? They, everybody knew that was the spit zone. They didn't want to be there, you know? But Denny would sit right there, and it was, I'm telling you what, the cornerstone, you people think you're reserved the Cornerstone Church of God, this is what I got during worship most of the time. Great people, don't get me wrong. Hard workers, very friendly, just were not very exuberant. Danny, front pew, or third pew, like this, the whole time we're worshiping. He didn't sing the songs, he didn't, I don't know if he even knew what we were singing, but he was having a great time with Jesus right there in the third pew. I'll never forget the day that um, we got a phone call that something had happened to Denny and Reba because Reba's worst fear in the world was that she would die and leave Denny with no one to take care of him. And their house, which was old, old, old farmhouse, uh, just older than anything, I worried about it, you know, repeatedly and, and my worries were true. It eventually burned down and they were inside. It, it happened overnight when they were sleeping and they found Denny <laughs> draped across Reba in her bed like he was trying to lift her out to get her out of the fire, but blessing of all blessings, they went to, to be with Jesus together. And we knew that that was a good thing, even though it hurt. But I'm here to tell you that every single Sunday, I would look at that spot. Sorry, Zach, I'm pointing right at you and Courtney. Look right at that spot and miss Denny because he wasn't there. In this church, we're missing a few people, aren't we? Roy used to sit right there and Roy wouldn't sing. Roy would whistle. Weird, right? First time I ever came to this church, I think I sat like in the front pew. I think, uh, I don't remember if it was um, the week I was candidating or what, but somebody started, you know, we all started singing, and all of a sudden I hear this ridiculously loud whistling taking place, and I'm like, what in the world is happening right now, right? 
And I looked over, and sure enough, Roy, who was our building maintenance supervisor back then, um, Norma, is Norma here today? I don't see, yeah, there she is, Norma's husband, faithful follower of Jesus, Norma and her, and her, her family, the rest of the family, literally prayed Roy into the kingdom, it's a great story, but Roy used to sit right there, and he used to whistle with everything that was in him, every song, again, weird as can be, but you know what, the moment Roy went to be with Jesus that very next Sunday, you know what I missed? That whistling. Listen, when you're not here, we miss you. There's something about the presence. There's something about being there. It opens you up to blessings and it encourages the rest of the body of Christ. So the first thing you can do to glorify God at a church picnic is just come, show up. It it gives encouragement to you. It opens you up to some good things like good food. This church has never had bad food, amen? Never had. How many of you brought pie? Let me get a count. Anybody? There's only one? Oh, man. This might be the exception today, I don't know, but good food, generally speaking, we always have good food. There's always good conversation. Um, There's always something there. There's good encouragement, both for you and for the others who get to have conversations with you. And you know what? When people show up to things, the more people that show up to things, the more excitement it breeds in the conversation, and the world sees that, the community sees that. When people get excited about attendance, when they get excited about activities, it, it happens. We see this every year for our trunk or treat. Oh my goodness, there were 1,200 people on our property that night and everybody talks about it. Listen, it's a big deal to show up. Hebrews 10.25 says this, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I know most people say, well, that's, that scripture's all about coming to worship. It's not about some fellowship dinner. I got news for you. Their gatherings were more fellowship than they were worship. In Acts chapter um, 2, verse 42, I don't have this one on the screen, but listen to this. It says that as the church began, they devoted themselves to four things, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Listen, when they gathered, they didn't gather for a church service and then head for a restaurant. They gathered to pray together, to worship together, to be taught together, to fellowship together, and they broke bread together. Some people believe that means communion. I believe it was breaking bread probably for communion, but also for a meal. The Bible tells us, or we find out other places in the New Testament, that when they did their agape meal, when they did communion, it was a feast because there were people among them that couldn't afford to eat. And that's where they got their food. And so let me tell you, when it says don't forsake the meeting together, he's not just talking about worship. He's talking about opportunities for fellowship as well. So, number one, show up. You know who you are. If you're sitting by one of those people, encourage them. Track them as they leave and just kind of help them make a beeline right in there. Don't forcibly push anyone in there. I'm just kidding. Anyway, all right, number two, enjoy what God made. Now, originally I was thinking these thoughts when we were going to be having it outside. Enjoy creation or, or in this case, enjoy what God has provided, right? Because there are those of us, there are some of us who love to be outside, who love to look up at the sky and see the firmament that God has made and and to see the trees and the grass and and to hear the birds chirping and and we just love to be outside for everything. You know, there's some of you here that if you'd never had to go in a building, you wouldn't do it. Just just love being outside. And in the summer, I got to be honest with you, that's me. I love, when I go camping, I don't want to sit in the camper. I want to be out under the awning where I can get bit by mosquitoes. 
Otherwise, it doesn't feel like you're camping. Amen? Yeah, so we love some of us to just be outside and see the glory of God's creation. But there are others of us that maybe don't like to see that. Some of us, when we go outside, all you can see are the bugs, right, that are going to bite you. All, all you can really feel is the, the smells of the pollen that are going to make you sneeze later, or in our case here, the manure next door uh, at the Gardener's Brothers place. You know, there are some of us that, that start sweating the moment the sun comes out and would just rather be in the air conditioning and, and really the only reason that, you know, the only thing we think about when we hear birds flying over is, are they going to poop on my head? Did I just say poop during a sermon? I'm sorry. Defecate. Is that better? Can we say? Never mind. Anyway, some of us love to be outside, but some of us don't, right? But either way, there's an opportunity for appreciation. There's an opportunity for worship. There's an opportunity for us to enjoy what God has either made or what God has provided. Psalm 19:1, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. We should be excited about the fact that God created a beautiful world for us to live in. But he also provided for us a beautiful building in which to meet james 1 17 whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from god our father who created all the lights in the heavens he never changes or casts a shifting shadow so whether you love being outside or whether you would prefer to be inside there is reason for you to rejoice and give god's praise because whatever happens god is good and all the time well, we haven't used that in a while, and some of you remembered. Praise the Lord. So enjoy what God has made or what he has provided, and God will receive the glory. Show up. Enjoy what God has given us. And third, celebrate togetherness. Not just the togetherness of worship. And it is good to be together to worship, isn't it? How many of you right now would attest to the fact that you sit by somebody this morning that sings better than you do? Raise your hand. Anybody? How many, did you really enjoy hearing them sing? Isn't that fun? I, I miss sitting in the pews for that very reason, although some Sundays I can hear you guys loud and strong, and it is wonderful. That's one of the reasons I don't use earbuds, because I like to hear you sing. It, it is a joy to be together for worship, but you know what? There is biblical information that tells us it is also good for us to be together for other reasons, because informal togetherness, togetherness that is unplanned, togetherness that is just around the table, or that is fellowship and oriented, helps us to preserve the unity and cultivate the unity of God's people which we are commanded by scripture to maintain Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3 make every effort make every effort not just a little effort every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit binding yourselves together with peace and I think one of the best ways to do that is to meet together informally, not just in worship. It helps us in three ways. First of all, there's unpressured time for natural, extended communication. If you're going to have a good relationship with other people in the body of Christ, saying hello to them in passing in the narthex on Sunday morning is just not enough. Am I right? Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? That's the end right? Moving on out. Listen, if you want to have a meaningful relationship with someone, with a bunch of someones, with your spiritual family, it takes time for that. 
And things like we're going to do this afternoon, a meal around tables, a a, a meal in the backyard of a, a parishioner, those are times when you have time to sit and to talk and to share things that you wouldn't share just because you had two seconds during the greeting time on Sunday morning. And so it gives us extra time to build that unity by sharing time unpressured for conversation. You can't get close to someone without spending time with them. Secondly, we're, we're thrown together with people we wouldn't otherwise talk to. I'm a little bit disappointed that we set so many tables up. I know Greg did that. I appreciate Greg. Monica, he did. No, Greg didn't do it. Right, but he, did he put the chairs around him? I think he put the chairs around him. Yeah. Anyway, I'm a little disappointed we have so many tables because you know what that means you guys are going to do? <laughs> Walt said it. How many of you have ever seen Walt type anything on Facebook? Anybody ever seen that? Walt is one of those all caps kind of guys. How many of you probably could have figured that out without me telling you? Yeah. Anyway, thanks, Walt. I appreciate that. But it's absolutely true. You guys are going to sit all by yourselves at some table. I'm half tempted to go out and take some of those down. Because one of the greatest things about having not enough seating is that people have to squeeze into places where they're uncomfortable with people that they're not necessarily comfortable with. Now listen, I'm an introvert. I get it. It's hard. But you know what? Some of the best relationships I've ever had in my life came with people that I at first was afraid to talk to because I didn't know them. But the moment you start building those relationships, you get to see a whole different side of them and they begin to to reach out and build relationships with people that you never would have thought of before. So I want to challenge you. One of the ways you can glorify God is by going in that place and sitting in a place that you're not necessarily comfortable. Sit by somebody you don't know as well. And as you do that, you never know the blessing that may come. Maybe, just maybe, they will have something to share with you that will build you up. Or maybe, just maybe, they're in need of something you have to say to build them up today. And so it throws you together with people that you may not otherwise talk to. And as a result of that, your circle of friends can grow and become greater. Third, we get to see each other in a different light when we're playing cornhole or chasing around our kids and grandkids. How many of you remember when you were young? I know for some of you that's a stretch. Um, you, <laughs> I wasn't pointing at anybody in particular. I remember, I'll just say it this way, I remember the first time I ever saw one of my teachers not in school. Anybody remember that moment where you're like, wait a second, they get to leave? You know, like, it's just this weird, whole weird... Now, I went to a Baptist school, and to my surprise, our teachers all had to wear, like, nice dress clothes and skirts and stuff because it was an ACE school. And she was wearing, <laughs> literally, her teaching outfit in the store. I'm, I'm pretty sure she never changed her clothes. I don't know. But I remember seeing her in the stores. Her name was, I think, Mrs. Shum. I saw her in the store, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I didn't know they let them leave. You know, it's just this weird kind of feeling. I'll never forget the first time I saw my pastor... Um, My pastor was an older gentleman, very distinguished, very well-spoken, Pastor Hawkins. And I'll never forget the first time I saw him at one of our church softball games. He decided to come to Bush Field, as we called it. We had a softball field that was a quarter of a mile on a two-track back in a cornfield. We won most of our games by forfeit because no one could find our field. It was a strategy. We literally planned it that way. But anyway, he showed up at this softball game and he was wearing shorts. I did not think pastors ever wore shorts. I just assumed they mowed the lawn in a suit. 
you know. Sometimes it's good for us to see each other in a different framework than we're used to. As, as an example, when we first moved here, um, Pat and Wendy Gilbert were kind enough to invite us to their house. I don't know, if, Pat, if you remember that. And we went over there, and they still had, I think, a couple of kids still at home, or the kids maybe came over or something. Anyway, and we played something in the yard. I can't remember if it was kickball or football. Was it kickball? It was kickball. And I learned something that day that I never knew before. I learned that Wendy Gilbert is the most competitive person in that family. <laughs> Who's clapping? Somebody knows what I'm talking about. Oh my goodness. I thought she was going to go to blows over a couple of those safe and out calls, man. It was intense there for a minute. And I'm thinking, I don't want to cross this, this lady. I don't, I'm staying out of her way, you know. And it was unbelievable just to see her in a little different standpoint. Now, I've learned over the years that, you know, Pat's competitive enough. She has to hold her ground. So that's probably why. It probably explains it. But, you know, when we see people in an environment that we aren't used to seeing them in, it helps us to know them better. So when we're outside playing cornhole, yeah, just so you know, at my backyard fellowship, Wendy, we were playing cornhole, and I was playing against Wendy, and she beat me in my backyard. And I'm pretty sure she and Joe were talking trash under their breath. They didn't say it out loud, but it was so. I'm looking for a rematch, and something's going down. But anyway, it, it's a whole different picture when you see somebody else. And you know what? Fellowship opportunities like our picnic are going to give us the opportunity to see people in a different light. And when we do that, it helps us to know each other better. All right. So we need to come together. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because when we celebrate that togetherness, it unifies us as a body and it helps us to, to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, as the older translation says. Finally, number four, rest, um, rest with the rest of of the body. I wrote that in a way I can't possibly read it. So the fourth way you can glorify God at the church picnic is by doing what God did on the seventh day. But do it with your family. Do it with your church family. Rest with the rest of your church family. We need to rest. Listen, as a church, we worship together and many of us serve together. Not everybody, but a lot of us serve together. We put in a lot of hard work around here, both to make Sunday morning worship happen and also to do ministries that are in the middle of the week or, or during special um, things like Bible school or the sale that just went on. You guys have no idea how many ladies poured in time this week just to set up that ridiculously packed garage sale. Where in the world do you people get all this junk every year? That's my question. Did you people see how much stuff was in our fellowship hall? Every year, I think, next year, there's going to be nothing because there's no way we can do this. And every year, you people, you must be hoarders or something. I don't know. But literally, there were ladies here from Wednesday on, just or actually Thursday on, I guess, but just working their brains out, trying to make that go. And what an incredible opportunity to just interface with our community and, yes, raise a little bit of money for good causes, but more importantly, to interact with people from our community. We serve together all the time. I think it's important that we rest together too. Now for the fellowship team that's putting on the meal, it won't be as much rest, so I'm hoping a lot of us can pitch in and help out so they can get some rest too. But this is an opportunity for you to kick back in a chair and just relax for a moment and have conversations and enjoy the company of people that you don't always get to do that with. 
We serve together. It's fitting that we rest together too. Jesus did this. In fact, in Mark 6.31, Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. And it, it, I love the fact that it explains why. He, he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. Friends, that's a busy ministry. We need to rest with one another. I love the fact that in our, our movement, one of our traditions is camp meetings, and we get the opportunity to, to get together on camp meeting weeks, and, and a lot of what people do during those weeks is rest. Now, originally, the camp meetings were pretty intense about ministry and evangelism and all of that, and that is still there. But a lot of people have learned that there's no greater place to rest than in the midst of the body of Christ where you can trust people, where you know people, and where you can build your faith with conversation and encouragement. And so camp meetings are a great um, evolution to be able to go and rest with that. I'm so thankful for those who serve every week to help us fulfill our mission, but let's listen, this is an opportunity for us to rest together so that we can be refreshed for the ministry that is coming next. So I hope that you'll take advantage of that. There will be rest this afternoon, and hopefully again, many of you will pitch in to take the load off the kitchen crew. One of the reasons we had it inside is because we want it to be restful. You know, in previous years, we worked our brains out carrying tables and chairs in and out of the building so much that most of us didn't have time to rest. Well, let me tell you something. I hope today we'll take our time and enjoy the, the time that God gives us together to rest. Friends, I know this may have sounded a little frivolous to some of you. Why is he defining the good points of a church picnic? Here's why. Because I want you to stay. And I want you to know that there's a spiritual reason for you to stay. Because doing things like what we're about to do builds the body of Christ in ways that you may not even think about. Sitting and hearing worship, sitting and hearing a message, even participating, if you're one of the people who does participate, is good. But there's a whole different kind of connection that takes place when we walk out of this room and into a different venue, into a different environment. And I don't want you to miss it. I want you to see it. I want you to participate, and I want you to grow from it. And so I'm hoping that everybody here stays for the food. We'll see, right? And if you see somebody leaving, don't give them a hard time, but let them know that we wish they'd stay. All right, will you do that for me? Say amen if you're going to do that for me. The one person who's going to leave is like terrified right now. She's like, he or she is like, oh no. So while I'm praying, somebody better keep your eyes open. They're going to try to slip out, okay? I'm just saying, I'm kidding, don't, don't do that. Let's pray together and, and we will dismiss here to go in there and enjoy this time together. Father, we thank you for worship. We thank you for the seriousness of a time together that is centered around worshiping you and hearing from your word. But Lord, we also thank you that you enjoy times when the church comes together for fun, for enjoyment, for laughter, because you created those things for us. And they are in a large way how we grow and how we rest and how we relate to each other. I pray that you would help us to take every advantage to do this church picnic in a way that glorifies you. Help us to be inclusive and to look for those around the, 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 the um, edges that may not have someone to talk to. Help us to share our food willingly and, and not just pile our own plates so high that nobody else gets the good stuff. 
Help us to enjoy this time together as the family of God. And help us to truly embody what it means to be just that, a family that welcomes everyone, no matter where they've been, no matter what they've done, no matter what they've been through, whether they've been here a long time or this is their first time. We pray that all would feel welcome. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, there better be pie. And then you can be dismissed.